Welcome to Food and Loathing, where we truly believe that you are what you eat, which means that we are everything. Everything. I'm your host, Al Mancini, a 20-plus year Las Vegas food writer and the creator of the Neon Feast Restaurant Guide, which I want you all to download right now. I'm just going to stop talking. Okay, y'all doing it? Because I really hate dead air. <laughs> I am joined this week and every week, or at least most weeks, by the dynamic duo of my co-host, local food writer and creator of the Wishbone and Vine blog, Samantha Gemini Stevens, and the engineer who always keeps us in the clear, a man who went from covering the White House press room to editing my mispronunciations of guests' names, which is just proof of the American dream and how you can raise yourself up by your bootstraps. I can only be speaking of Mr. Rich Johnson. Hello, Rich and Gemini. Hi. They actually let me cover more than just one room at the White House. They were really good that way. Really? <laughs> yeah. they, you know, they... the Oval Office, the Executive Room, the Cabinet Room. That's because he could pronounce all the names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was just free to run around. Well, executive? Yeah, I can pronounce that. <laughs> no, we're not at all free yeah. to do that. <laughs> uh, and joining us today is someone I've been waiting to have on this show for a long time, Danica Stockton. Danica is a relative recent addition to the loose-knit group of journalists I like to call the Vegas Food Mafia, which is kind of this shifting list of people who get invited to all of the media dinner. Actually, nobody gets invited to all of the media dinner. No. So we, it's a little bit like <laughs> some people get invited to some, other people get invited to others. I know, Rich, you've been to some with me, Gemini. Yep, yep. I've seen you at some. Danica, I started popping up in these things, um, I guess, about a year, year and a half ago. And we've been constant dinner partners um, or frequent dinner partners ever since. So we've always been talking about getting her here on this show. She is a local um, food writer and editor. Uh, she writes about food and luxury lifestyle. Danica, what else? Could, let's, let's talk a bit about your background. How are you today? I'm great. How are you all doing? We're doing great. Thanks yeah, for finally thank doing you. this. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely happy to be here. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Yeah, it's always good because, you know, what I wanted to do when we created the Food and Loathing podcast was really to get just recreate the kinds of conversations that happen when a group of my friends or the people that I hang out with get together, which is we all just talk about food. We talk about where we've been eating. Um, we talk about what kind of stories people are writing these days, things like that. So, you know, this podcast, I just try to open it up to voices. I want people to learn about you, learn about your writing um, and really just recreate a little bit of that insider behind the scenes vibe that we have going on at all those media dinners. So hope that's not too much pressure. Basically, I just want to bullshit. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Just want to yeah, bullshit. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, there is a level of that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, can, can you talk? Actually, we're going to interview you a little later in the show. Do something a little more formal. Um, but what we always do to start the show off is we talk about where we've been dining. Because I think, you know, for th those of us who do this professionally or even semi-professionally, we just are out all the time. We get invited to things. But we also try to go out on our own, try to eat at places we really want to go. And I just love to give people a little behind the curtains look of, um, you know, where we're dining, where my guests are dining. Because I feel that that is the best way to get to know the Vegas food scene, you know, not not on assignment, not because something was on a press release, but really just where we all go out and eat. Yep. And, um, you know, I haven't done reviews since when I got hired by the Las Vegas Review Journal. I said, I don't have to do reviews, right? And they said, no. <laughs> I said, thank God. So these are not reviews. This is just us talking about our experiences. And yeah, you're brand new to, the, to our little group here. So do you want to go first? Yeah. Have you had any good meals recently you could tell us about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
so this is totally not related to what I've personally been covering for my readers, uh, but I really love Orchid Gardens. It's a dim sum place. Mm-hmm. Um, you're familiar with familiar. it, Kevin and I? Yep. Yeah, it's just, it's really casual, it's fun, it's delicious, and it's traditional dim sum, at least through like the American aspect of they roll around their carts. I like how you mentioned that, because it's not, it's not like you go to a place and, uh, you know, you can't read anything and you don't understand anything. It is very sort of made for the American palate, but that's why it's always busy too. Yes, yes, it's definitely very busy. I have found myself going a little bit too late in the <laughs> early afternoon and kind of catching the end of dim sum, but I really love dim sum. It's it's a super fun way to just gather with some friends and have a fun casual meal. Um, but yeah, that's that's been one of my favorite things to do on like a Sunday recently. Um, have you captured the pro tip of uh, antithetical to every other nice restaurant you go to where the, the, the table by the kitchen is considered the crap table, but at dim sum places, the old Asian you ladies right know there. that's the best <laughs> table because it's the first one the carts hit. Yes, that's if you have the table closest to the kitchen, you're going to be getting the hottest plates, um, the most fresh pieces. Yes. So definitely prioritize uh, by the kitchen table when you're doing dim sum. <laughs> so where are these guys located for the people who don't know? I believe it's off of Sahara, right? Yep. West Sahara, or I guess it's East Sahara technically, um, but pretty close to Chinatown. Okay. It's not necessarily like in Chinatown, but yeah, it's, it's just sort of on the out, just on the outskirts. Chinatown yes. adjacent. Yeah. West yeah. Yes. Yeah. But they've got a massive sign right there off Sahara. You can't miss it. It's got a huge parking lot and it's set back from that. Um, and uh, yeah, you, it's it's visible. I love this. This is um, yeah, this is why we need fresh blood. Yeah. We just always talk about the same twelve restaurants we go to. I feel like every week. Uh, Any place else that, that you're excited about? Yeah, I'm really excited about Ocean Prime. Um, I'm yeah. super Ooh. big on seafood. So as soon as I learned that Ocean Prime was coming to Las Vegas, that was really exciting for me. So you were familiar with them from where? Well, they're based out of Ohio, okay. um, but I had never Ohio, dined there. and it's called Ocean Prime. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or is it the whole yes. Prime uh, dynasty? Well, <laughs> the company has a bunch of brands, but yeah. they're not all Prime. And prime Steak, Prime Italian. No, I don't believe that. That's a that. different I don't different. think so, no. Yeah. Um, okay. But they've Everyone. got like, tw- they have about 100 restaurants overall, but Ocean Prime has, what, about 20 locations? I believe so. Okay. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited that they're here in Vegas now because I love seafood and um, I've dined there and it was great. Every single item that was ordered came out so quickly and the service was great and the food was really delicious. That's awesome. And And where are they? They're they're actually kind of like on the backside of Crystal's Palace. Dead what is center on the strip. You can't. They're right on that Harmon okay. corner. Yeah. There there's a building that was they demolished what was supposed to be the Harmon Hotel because there was a whole right. big lawsuit there. I remember that they built this new building in there that is technically not part of the center city center complex, but it's like right there in it. So okay. um, so basically, when you're walking between Aria over to the Cosmo over that that bridge, if you look up, that's the balcony of Ocean Prime, about oh, okay. one floor above you. Um, and they're relatively new. I'm really glad you mentioned it for the seafood because I have, you know, I've had arguments with some people who don't really love Ocean Prime. They like it, but they haven't loved it. And I said, yeah, if you're talking about it from a steak point of view, I don't necessarily know that in a town like this where we have, you know, millions and millions of steakhouses, some of the best in the world, um, that, you know, I don't know that it shines from a steakhouse alone point of view, but it has seafood. It's not where you have to p- pick your own fish and calculate the price by weight right. like so many of the good <laughs> oh, seafood 
places on the strip are. This is a very traditional way of ordering seafood. You go, oh, it's a halibut served with this, served with that. Okay, I want a plate of it, and they Done. bring it to you. And the prices are actually really good for the strip. For dead center on the Vegas Strip, cool. I think. Cool. Okay. So yeah, I like Ocean Prime a lot for their seafood. They, um, I think you probably mentioned them in my Neon Feast survey that I just sent out, and they're going to be added as one of the top seafood spots Very pretty cool. shortly because a lot of people mentioned them for that, and I could not agree more. Um, cool. So I guess any any other one, or are we going to move on to um, Gemini? Well, I'm yeah, I'm curious to see what are your guys' favorite spots recently. Oh, well, favorite spots is a whole different it, thing, but <laughs> but, but since the last we recorded, which is really only about three or four days ago, like is where we're going, and there's still too many of the damn. There things, is still usually. too many, but I'll, I'll I'll be able to go quick. Um, so we stopped into the Tin Fish Club um, over at Haleo that we had talked about on this program before. And that was For the really rest of the world. That's Haleo. Haleo, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See? Pronunciation. I thought you were talking about a video game. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's Halo. <laughs> Um, so we went over for the Tin Fish Club event that, that we had promoted here on this program, and uh, it was really, really cool. So the restaurant was still open to regular business, but they had this sort of horseshoe-shaped area just for us, and they had past um, dishes with tinned fish. They had some what they called cutery boards laid out with uh, bread and, and uh, accompaniments and things like that. You got a walk-in welcome cocktail of either a glass of wine or a cider. They also had a drink ticket, so you got gin and tonic, of course, because you have to get a gin and tonic when you're there. Place, yeah. Um, so that was really fun. That was really well put together, not too busy. They limit it usually to 40 or so people. Um, and both the restaurant and the people behind the Tin Fish Club handled that really, really well. I'm going to, I need to ask Danica now, see, because uh, Gemini's a huge fan of this new Tin Fish movement that's going on. <laughs> it's as not are, new, it's just know, coming it, it's out very again. New. I mean, it, you know, look, I'm going to be honest, it was like spotted as a trend by our friend Diana Breyer and yep. you and some other people at this year's Fancy Food Show. Yep. So it was like the emerging trend. And that yeah. was only about six or nine months ago. So it's not like this has been going on for fucking years. Okay. I mean, I'm sure people have been making it, but everybody hasn't been talking about it, but Gemini is very, very much into it. I have just not figured out the appeal. I know a lot of great people like, you know, Jose Andres is doing his own line right now. So are you a tin fish convert or are you, are you a, what the fuck's that all about kind of person? So I will say in in relation to me covering the dining scene, I have not had any like tin fish dishes, but I really enjoy red herring tin fish, which I got into way prior to me being involved in journalism. Um, this is going to sound really bizarre, but I do encourage you to try it before you judge me. I'm in. Um, I'm I did. In. I did a Pacific Coast Highway road trip. I think maybe like ten years ago, and. There's a lot of tin fish spots yes. really? along the Pacific Coast Highway. It's I've very done that common road trip for eating purposes alone. Absolutely. And I didn't get any of that. That's interesting, <laughs> man. I'm in the wrong spots. Yes, and the and the trip was very much. Um, it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't luxury. It was not tied to my target audience as an editor now at all. It was very much like nature focused. Mm-hmm. And you're not a hippie kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little yeah. bit like that. Yes. Um, and I actually, we actually did red Harrington fish in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with fresh, uh, raspberry jam. 
My, and peanut butter. My tummy is making all kinds of. It does I would not try to react. I know it it's sounds insane. Me. It really is scaring me. I know it sounds insane, but just try it and then come talk to me about it. Red herring tin fish on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with raspberry jam. It's delightful. I'm gonna do that too. Okay. I have to. Oh. Hey, I mean, I use P- I use cacao, I use cacao <laughs> nibs and all kinds of things when I'm making like little just like little bites. So why not PB and J? Yeah. You just never know. You just never, never know. know. <laughs> so I did interrupt you there. Sorry, That's Gemini. Okay. Where else have you been eating? Uh, we popped into Garage East. Uh, yes, again. Um, and mostly just because there's always something new to try. So every time I go in, they know I like the really funky stuff. They specialize in funky pet nat, natural wines, things like that. So we just popped in there after um, something we were else we were doing downtown that I can't even remember at the moment. And uh, had a nightcap, and it was great. Garage East in the Arts District. Yeah, for everybody. in the yes. Arts District right on California. There. Across the street, kind of, from, um, from Esther's yeah. Kitchen. Yeah, so here's one for you. Yep. I finally ate, like properly sat down and ate at 1228 cool. May. Cool. <laughs> so? The food was good. Okay, um, good. Really, really What did you do, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Breakfast. Breakfast, okay. Yep, breakfast. We happened to be there pretty early in the morning for a meeting, and so we decided to pop over there. Wasn't too busy. Um, I still have issues with the service, but I finally got to taste the food, and admittedly, it was really good. I liked the bread that I had with the smashed avocado um, and the mint something or whatever was on there. I think it might have even been a chili cream cheese. Um, there was a lox um, with a chive crema that I really liked. I wish there was more of the crema. Um, but the rolled omelet, absolutely zero things to say other than fantastic. And did you go home with any bread? No, we did not take any oh. bread home only because... A, I shouldn't be eating that much bread, but I had already placed an order with 5098 bread mm. for this weekend. So. I, walk, I walked by 1228 last night at like 10, 1030 at night, and Sue had never been in there before, and I um, I just pointed to the bread menu. There yeah. were like, at that point, was 10, oh, yeah. 1030 at night, there yeah. were still like nine different kinds of loaves of bread that they were sending yeah. that you could take home, and to me, that's the reason to go to 1228. The bread I got to taste was really, really great. It was a seeded bread that they put the avocado toast on, and the lox came on latkes. So there was only the one piece of bread, but it was absolutely delicious. And yeah, I absolutely give them credit for that. Cool. I still have major issues with the service because it's really Fair lacking, enough. but the food was good. Fair so enough. I will, I will give it that. Uh-huh. And uh, hopefully they get their service. I, you know, I, I always say it's really tough for me in so many restaurants to judge service because I know half the fucking people that work yeah. in these places. So like, and <laughs> it's fair. always been like that. So, you know, I, I go to what the majority tells me of people that I know, you yeah. know, who aren't necessarily Karens yeah. or whatever. And I, think they're, I think they're working and, on it. I think they were much better than they were before, but they just weren't that busy. And I think part of it is because it's cafeteria style. Yeah. Um, that there's, they just need one or two more people to help on the floor. I think mm-hmm. if they had that, it would be just perfect so um yeah i was excited to tell you that i've actually went in and Yay. sat down and let them give me an actual experience well, i need to get in for dinner so um that's on my list to, yeah. yeah um we tried to go to hush puppies um because it's iconic it's old vegas we'd never been um i haven't heard anything good bad or ugly about it it's just sort of there it's yeah. close I, to the house i went there for a review like 10 years ago just out of the blue yeah. i was like i'm gonna go to hush puppies <laughs> drive by that place like, and it the? seems to be always closed what's the window like it's, three hours every it's, other yeah, day yeah it's open like five to nine p.m or something like that that's it or wow. four to nine or whatever it is it's been there for like a million years it's been there it, thank it you i'm now a million years food. old yeah. <laughs> it's been there since 1975 um and uh it's still family owned um i think the previous owners passed and passed it on to a brother or something like that um what's the cuisine 
it's it's fried southern food. Southern. Like oh, it's of mostly yeah, it's mostly seafood. So they have yeah. boiled crab. They've got fried catfish. They've got ah. um, whether you want fillets or you want flippers or they've got the whole thing. Okay. So, um, but unfortunately, they were so understaffed that a thirty minute wait turned into an hour wait, and we weren't the only ones. And we finally just said, let's go do something new. Oh man, I'm not waiting an hour for no. any yeah. food. No. I'm sorry, maybe if Mr. Robichon <laughs> comes back from the dead to cook for me, and I would sit. I, I would stand I would in a queue for an hour. Yeah, for yeah. That. maybe an hour for that. Um, um, so, but what we did try, which I know is a chain, I think it's a local chain, but I'm not sure. At Charleston and Fort Apache, we went to Los Cucos. Um, it's a little Mexican place that took over the Mimi's Cafe that used to be on that same corner by the Shell Station. Okay. Um, and it was really, really kind of good. We just sat at the bar, which is my favorite thing to do. Um, I ordered shrimp fajitas a la poblano, so lots of poblano peppers. There was some cheese and stuff in there. The hot iron plates were absolutely boiling. And I loved it because it gave everything just a little bit of a char underneath. So then when you mix it up and eat the, eat mm-hmm. the actual meal, um, you get that, those charred bits yeah not quite burnt but right. definitely charred um and uh and then last night i took part in the toddy shop fry day pop-up where they do that pop-up fried chicken again we've talked about it on the show and they do that out oh. of the they do it out of the parlor yep on sixth street yeah and um, so we had both types of chicken. Um, I can't pronounce them, so I'm not going to butcher them. But he offers two flavors of chicken. And we also got the cauliflower and the tikka ranch. Fantastic meal, just for the two of us. Now, is that every Friday that it's they do the that? It's the second and fourth Friday of every month. Toddy shop, out of the parlor. Yep, and wow. you can order online ahead of time. It's usually, they start opening the ordering about a weekish before. So you can just find them at the Toddy Shop USA or the Six Pack Chef. Yeah, and that's um, Chef Amant, and he's, what is it, Southern Indian or Northern Indian? I believe cuisine? it's Southern. Southern, Southern Indian <laughs> Sorry, dude. Sorry for not knowing that, Amant. You're a good guy. Um, well, cool. Rich, what about you, man? Where have you been eating? My highlight was a return uh, after more than three years to the OG joint of breakfasts on the Strip. Say it with me forever. The Purple the Neon, the Big Fake Tree, oh, the Flaming oh. Fountain. It's the Pepper Mill. Yes, it looks place looks like it was decorated for, uh, to resemble it's, uh, a 1970s stri- and super it's stretch limo. And one of limo. my favorites well, for it that It was, because that's when it began. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It looks like, seriously, like a scene from Boogie Nights should have been it, shot in Oh, yeah. It really should have. Absolutely. Man. They did do a scene from Casino. In yeah, Casino. Yeah, they did, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make, I was making out writing, in the bar. I want to write an article about all the, um, like, what tables and what restaurants yeah. you can have that you sit where they... They were in movies. Yeah, you know, like I love the, it. The place in Piera's, which was yep. in Casino. And the table Oscars, Oscars, which was something yeah. else. Actually, then, but you yeah. could just do an entire tour of restaurants that were in Casino. casino <laughs> and yeah. it would be fucking awesome because you'd hit Oscars. You'd Let's hit Pepper Mill and you'd hit Piera's. <laughs> yeah. And you could just make sure you reserve the specific tables. Take pictures of yourself. Oh, I can right? see that. But I don't know shit about how this TikTok world works, but I'm saying yeah. that shit could blow up. That's in my right. generation, that shit would have blown up. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. There you go. How was the, the kids today? Uh, the bedrock breakfast, bacon and eggs over medium toast and hash browns, and it was perfect. Three eggs done right, four big slices of bacon. Uh, well done, but not turned yet into tree bark. <laughs> Crispy yes. hash browns, two full slices of toast. It had to come on a separate plate because the other stuff filled up the main plate. Uh, price That's tag. saying a lot. Those plates yeah. are huge. Yeah. yeah, they really do have big plates in that joint. <laughs> as much as I remember, uh, and a little more than I remember, 20 bucks for the meals, 6 for the serviceable coffee, yeah. and about 6 for the tips, so just north of 30 bucks for breakfast, which I would not do every day. But, you know, 
Chair on the That's strip. what the bacon and eggs it would run across. The, you would go to Resorts World and that uh, breakfast spot there, you would get maybe two eggs and two slices of bacon. Parenthetically, I refuse to use the word rashers. <laughs> it's I, a piece of bacon. So, uh, yeah, value, but it's up there for I breakfast. Mean, I, yeah, I remember. I've done some TV shoots in Pepper Mill, and the theme was always, you know, some people that I work with over at Travel Channel and other things. And it's always about how big the the portions were so yeah. have the portions remained like yeah i mean i don't understand why i don't need a double-sized breakfast for twice the price i'm yeah. not taking it home and keeping it and you know but is it still at least that you're yeah. getting your a, a four big portion? slices yeah. of bacon three eggs right and i'm good with that i would and a big hunk of hash browns i try as much as i love them i don't need the carbs and so i eat maybe half the hash browns yeah i try to have just the one piece of toast with the eggs but i end up having the other piece of toast with the jam <laughs> the little squares of grape and mixed fruit That's you right. know whatever That's it was. a lot of food anyway, early in the day man yeah. that is definitely though if you're still up partying from the night before oh yeah, yeah. and if whatever kept you up partying isn't preventing you from eating <laughs> um, that's where you want to go i had to do a little research because i saw something online that was sacrilege and i had to find out that indeed it was false the hot dog soft drink combo at costco is still a buck and a half yep. not a dollar 98 as somebody did a fake uh, photoshop <laughs> meme that showed up on my facebook page here's the thing people are militant about that oh, yeah. 49 or whatever it a is buck and a half yeah, yeah. but uh, you know as i've said before it's one of the best dogs you can get to me it's 1a just slightly below the one of uh, South Point and the hot dog cart that has now been fully refurbished and is uh, permanent. It's not a wheeled cart. It's an actual wow. installation there. Is it I give top it, wieners? Uh, it's great. It's the uh, subrettes at okay. uh, South Point. I give it uh, the slight edge over Costco because of the location, because it's more fun eating a dog at the sports book than it is in the middle of the puddle sure. masses <laughs> yeah. checking out at Costco. Uh, uh, I did a Friday app. I've got to say, though, for all the shit that I give you about like being the junk food guy, you're the only one going to a members-only club to get your hot dog Absolutely. in this group. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. I did Friday happy hour at Kona Grill in Boca Park. Hadn't been there for a while. It's, you know, it's mostly the bar scene, pretty good sushi, bar food. Happy hour prices are excellent. Three, six, and nine dollar items and drink, you know, like three bucks for a, a bud and nine dollars for a sangria or something a little more complicated. I had a crispy crab roll, a spicy tuna roll, both solid, to use your word, Al. Uh, something original I had not seen, an avocado egg roll. Egg roll stuffed oh, yeah. with chunky... Southwestern uh, kind of egg roll. I see Danica's yeah. nodding along. Yeah, yes. you know, a, a chunky guacamole, and it was very nice. Uh, in my new you sing see things like that at like a TGI Fridays, don't you? Feel? <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, the iconic TGI Fridays is the hunk of broccoli wrapped in cheese, it wrapped in dough and deep fried. Oh my gosh, yeah. Try to make that at home, and no, it does not work out. Uh, in my new uh, singleness, I'm old and fat and now divorced, by the way. Congratulations. And yeah, he's gone from covering the White House to doing this podcast. A, a so. broken down shell of an old fuck. Uh, anyway, I've taken a slight break from full-on. But we full love on, him. Uh, exactly. Not doing so much full-on home cooking. I'm doing a few things from the freezer. You know, I mentioned the Saffron Road entrees. I have a big bag of frozen, fully cooked cooked chicken breast strips in, in the freezer. And I tossed that into my Saffron Road pud thai because it seemed like a skimpy amount of chicken and that really, you know, helped it out. I also made my, I, I gotta call it, and you're gonna hate me for this, 
Homemade Olive Garden. Oh, Jesus. What is, I feel like we're, we're now doing a podcast, like a cooking podcast for the Unabomber or something. Like if you're just fucking holed up in your cabin, this is stuff you can well, order you know, and you can eat like I'm, I'm, I'm practicing for when I finally just move imagine out. imagine one of those big old white freezers and yeah, buried yeah, in the back yeah. somewhere. Outer space. Outer space right. cooking so, tutorials. So, so, so this is, I, you know, I boil up some penne. I have half a jar of Rao's Alfredo sauce. Put it in the pan to heat up. Rayos. Rayos, yes. yes you know. Okay. <laughs> or, you know, if it's not there, you get the store brand uh, Smith's uh, half uh, corn syrup, half xanthan oh, gum, God. Alfredo uh, shit. No. No. Just, you're taking away your, your I know. membership card here. <laughs> I, you know, there is fresh broccoli in there. I get some broccoli, small florets, put it in the microwave for about three minutes. I microwave some of the chicken strips, and then I put it all, the pasta, the chicken, the broccoli, in the pan with the sauce, a lot of ground pepper, and there's my chicken Florentine Alfredo. <laughs> I just, I want to see, like, I'm just picturing if him. If anybody as- makes this... Listening, I want to hear about it. I yeah. just keep picturing. And you're dead to me. I want to see your dish served in an upscale restaurant and yeah. see if it passes. Oh, God, that would be hilarious. Well, I want to see him cooking. I'm just picturing Dan Aykroyd as Julia Child. Right? God, <laughs> I'm pretty good. I've got 40-year-old Hinkle knives that'll last me till I die. And then I pass go. them on to my daughter. You get some points back. All right, that's it for me. I've done <laughs> enough damage here good today. Job, I can just Rich. leave now. Ooh, man, I'm so glad you came today. That was the best part <laughs> yeah. of the show. Uh, time for little old me where I've been eating. Um, so I told you last week I'd be attending a sake dinner at Anima by EDO or Anima by EDO. Um, well, it ended up being an incredibly exciting meal that really took Chef Oscar Amador to places we rarely see him go, mixing Spanish and Japanese ingredients, techniques, and flavors, from cuttlefish to sashimi with Iberico ham fat, to um, chorizo stuffed squid, to a spin on a Japanese right, the, the Japanese right rice dish, chasu dunburi. Uh, he made it with Iberico pork collar, a hard-boiled ramen egg, and these amazing langoustine croquettes. I'm not going to go into too much detail because it's not like you can buy this shit in there anymore. Right? It was a one-night only, <laughs> but um, I'm just going to say it was fucking fantastic and proof of why Oscar was a James Beard finalist. Amen. It was a good night. Um, Endo-san was in there. Chef Endo from Raku yep. was there. Um, um, Mrs. Koloff was in there. So, you know, a lot of the people from the Japanese food scene a lot of foodies that I saw in there. I got to actually have dinner with Jim Bagley, which is the first time oh, I've yeah. eaten with him in a while. So that was awesome. Um, so anyway, they just rock over at Anima. And if you have not yet discovered them, you really need to. He's really packing his bags over here. <laughs> well, I, 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 I walk my talk, man. I was there, and hopefully he's just cleaning up the space around him. He's like What's the going little on? kid who's like packing it up in front of his parents to show he's going to run away. I don't know. Taking my laptop he's and going mad. home. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Rich. I <laughs> my Alfredo. <laughs> um, I paid, paid a visit to the new Salamente pizza space in Town Square. This is upstairs, across from the movie theater, so that when you're looking out of Salamente, you can actually see the entrance to that theater. Uh, grand opening of that is the same day that this episode drops, yep. September 1st. Uh, the space, which he shares with um, the vegan spot, Down to Earth. It's Down to Earth, right? Yep, yeah, down-to-earth plant-based cuisine. Excellent. Thank you for the checking, checking me on that one. Uh, it's really cool space um, with funky pizza, cartoon art. As you know, Salamente and down-to-earth are both Vegas Test Kitchen alumni. So um, that's you know cool to see that they've landed a permanent brick-and-mortar spot in light of their closing. So anyway, I did a brief conversation with Salamente's Ethan Spritzer. Gemini's just spoke to him a few weeks ago. Spritzer? Um, 
Spitzer. <laughs> yes, uh, that's the. I got typos. I told you, I'm not good with that shit. Just, this is the, not the former governor just, of New York. No, who's gone on a greater. Not Elliot so Spitzer. That's right. No. <laughs> anyway, this is Ethan. Just shut up, everyone. This is Ethan. I suck. Chef, congratulations. The place is looking really good. I know you haven't opened quite yet, but how are you feeling now on the verge of opening? Oh, like I've never felt both super excited and terrified combined at the same time like this. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Super excited and terrified. Explain the setup here, what it's going to be, because it's not just you. It's with another partner that you had worked with over at the Vegas Test Kitchen. Yeah. So uh, we were in love with like the concept of multi cuisine restaurants um, and there's a very limited you know, scope for that. So we were hoping to have like all of the Vegas test kitchen peeps come together, all the chefs and find a new spot, but it really just wasn't feasible where we were all at in our pursuit. So me and chef Parker, who does all of the vegan based cuisine, we joined forces and we opened up a dual restaurant space here in town square where half of the restaurant's kitchen is you know, dedicated strictly to that vegan cuisine. And then the other half is to my, you know, contemporary Neapolitan pizzas. What you're doing is not a type of pizza, not a type of crust that a lot of people are 100% familiar with. So could you explain it to people? Sure, yeah. So my dough is different in that it is a style that's kind of being experimented by, uh, you know, perfected by some of the newer generation of chefs in Italy. Um, And it's not really yet made its way to the States, or I don't know if it will, but there is someone in New York, Anthony Mangieri, who does this outside of him. I don't know anyone else in the country who does this. So um, it's a very puffy crust. It's name in Italian actually translates to dinghy or raft because the edges, the what we call crust, they call cornicione, is so raised so high that it resembles that of like a, an inner tube or a raft that you would float in. So I use an all naturally leavened process. All of my dough is what would be considered sourdough here, um, mother dough in Italy, but it's naturally leavened, meaning I don't use commercial yeast whatsoever. It's a slow fermentation process that builds up flavors, adds to that puffiness, that uh, explosiveness in the dough when it's hitting the oven. And it's a very light and airy dough. So a lot of people will look at my pizza and totally be put off by it because they're assuming it's going to be similar texture um, to that of your traditional American pizzas, which I love. I love a New York style. I'm from outside of Chicago. I love, you know, the thin tavern style pizzas and deep dish pizzas. I love it all. But none of that would be anywhere on my crust ratio because it would be so dense and it would be gross and a lot of people see it not having ever had like an airy light you know crust that melts in your mouth so what i'm doing is trying to essentially make the crispy cream texture of 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 crust that just melts when you eat it so the chew is minimal um and it's just full of air pockets and it's just light and fluffy and I finally paid a visit to um, Crust and Rue, which is a really unusual spot in Town Square that offers three types of pies. Pizza pies, pot pies, and sweet dessert pies. Okay. There are also salads and sandwiches, and perhaps, honestly, for me, the coolest part, although it just seems wrong on one level, is that you can get those pies... Um, the sweet pies, the dessert pies, so yeah. blueberry, apple, you know, you, we all know what a freaking dessert pie is. I don't <laughs> have to go on. Anyway, you can get all of them with your choice of six different a la mode combinations. For Ooh. examples, you can get the Fruity Pebbles a la mode 
Right. Like, okay. and so there's a whole bunch of other things. But wait, it gets even cooler than that. You can also just order the a la mode preparation on its own oh. without the pie. So I guess it's just sort of like an ice cream sundae. But like, for example, you can order the um, PB&J a la mode without pie and you'll be served vanilla <laughs> ice cream, whipped cream, peanut butter cups, butter fingers, jelly drizzle and chocolate sprinkles. Honestly, I don't know why the fuck you need pie yeah. if you have that much. Right. So, so it would just be mode, I have a not question. a la mode. Yeah. Yeah, it would just be the mode. Does it come with tin fish? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what I'm thinking, is that Danica can bring some tin fish in there. Oh yeah. Just do it up right in that peanut butter jelly one. I'm glad that this is the one that was in my notes. Right. That's I right. We're getting on a theme nobody's, over here. Nobody's pregnant here, are they? <laughs> I know I'm not. That's all I can no, say. No, can uh, confirm. Rest easy. Not, not, not right now. So, yeah, so this is fucking crazy. Um, I skipped dessert. I behaved myself, so I can't tell you how good those things were. Um, but I had a good what they call a caprese salad, which is um, plum tomatoes and sliced mozzarella. It can always be, I'm, I am assuming it was sliced because you know when you get a pizza and it's clearly, they, they cut it into your six slices and then the cheese just goes like right back together yeah. again. Like it, it, it and <laughs> yeah. it, it was just very thicker like when you get someplace that maybe has buff buffalo mozzarella oh, right. and they put the slices on instead yep. of the shredded cheese. So I'm guessing that that's why and it was plum tomatoes. Most of their pizzas are not traditional. Like they have two different sauces. They have a red sauce that they use on them and then they have their their white roux sauce, okay. which is their signature sauce. And you'll find that in the pot pies and all the other stuff. And Gemini, I'm, I'm going to ask you to explain exactly what a roux is because you are the home cook here and you're probably going to do it better <laughs> hey, than hey, I hey. am. Um, so what's a roux? A roux is uh, any fat mixed with flour to create a thickening base for whatever it is you're making. Okay. So they, they have their house made roux, they have their house made um, red sauce. They you know they do crab pizzas and barbecue Korean barbecue pizzas. Like it's it's you know that kind of pizza place. It's not. I mean they do have pepperoni and they do all those things. So we had the caprese pizza, which was really good. I liked the crust on it, um, but I really loved the seafood pot pie. Really yummy crust filled with crab meat and shrimp and scallops and a mixture of the place's signature white roux sauce and some of the red sauce. I really loved it. Um, again, crust, flaky, delicious, so great to sop up that sauce. The sauce itself, halfway between like one of those casino pan roast sauces oh. and or like my favorite bowl of brandy infused she crab soup from New Ooh. Orleans, Brandon's family, go. right? Like, oh, I love Brandon. Like, I can yeah. still remember that soup. It, it, it oh, brought yes. a little bit of that back, um, but then also just a little bit of like casino that pan roast delicious. in there. So, um, yeah, I would have liked little larger chunks of seafood in there, maybe a little something else Fair to make enough. it firmer, even throw a potato or something in there um, just to give it a little more chewiness. But other than that, it's fucking great, man. Um, I barely scratched the surface of the menu, but I'm definitely trying to get back. I mean, I want to get back. Excuse me. Um, I need to take a sip of water here. Excuse me. Ah, <laughs> uh. oh, thank you very much. Uh, last night we went to Zai. Actually, Sue and I spent Sigh. last night. Zai. 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 Yep. Spelled with a Z. I know. It's Sigh. pronounced Zai. It's, okay. it's named after his daughter. Okie dokie. Well, I went to see there. She she got me back for the Haleo thing. You caught that. She filed that away. Just filed away in the back of her head. Uh, She's like, wait to the next one. So we did a night in um, downtown last night. So we started off at Zai. Ended up going over to um, Soul Belly Barbecue where we saw a bunch of um, a benefit for... Um, What's it called? Girls Rock Vegas, which oh, is a I've cool teaching young women how to, to yeah. make music kind of thing. So that was fun. 
So we started the evening over with Sai. now that I know how to pronounce it, um, downtown. It's right across from the downtown container park. Um, you, so if you're sitting in there, sometimes you can see the front of the praying mantis shooting his fire. It's kind of a good, lively kind of party vibe, party scene. We were there relatively early because we're old people. We did it before we went over to um, to the arts district. So it, it wasn't super hopping, but, the, you know, it was good time to be there because we didn't have to deal with screaming drunken you yeah. know, tourists and all that stuff. Um, we've spoken before about Chef, Chef Noe's uh, stuff over there. Mm-hmm. It can be really weird. He does things that mix mix up you know combinations and you're like where'd that come from and you know sometimes it works better than others but that's cool i think that's everybody's idea we started with some taki with some tataki with jalapeno and crispy onions uh tataki the tuna was just cooked a little too much for me they let it go in too far from the sides and now suddenly i feel like i'm eating tuna fish you know instead of actually raw tuna so that was a little bit of a bummer on that one not major but you know did not the way that i like my tataki we had something called nashville shrimp which are crispy bad shrimp that are honestly really very similar to Nobu's crispy rock shrimp. These were rather bland in the sauce that they came with, uh, despite the promise of some chilies in there. I didn't see any of the tobiko mentioned on the menu, but that's okay. The Yucatan pickled onions were amazing. And, yeah. they really, and I've, I've had them on a few dishes. People make their own in the past, and it's just really meant those with this shrimp was really, really good. They, they have amazing onions there, so save the dish, absolutely. We did um, corn ribs with cheese, a little larger than the ones I've had at Legata's, but they're very, very good. And then we did mussels with fries and a Thai, yes. thai green curry. And that was just so damn good, man. Um, you know, when the chef was talking about it, I, he kind of confused me. I thought he said something like a bechamel, like mixed with a bechamel or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's that doesn't say that on the menu. So I was a little nervous. I, maybe I misheard him, but when I got this, this was great. Uh, nice, you know, a, a, a decent sized portion of mussels with thin shoestring french fries in this kind of thick green curry mm-hmm. sauce that you can sop up with the mushrooms that you really just want to eat it with a spoon, you know? Yep. And um, so that was really, really the best dish that they had at, at Sai. <laughs> so coming up in the news, I mean, honestly, I'm not really sure what it'll be in the news this week, but I promise you that it will be news. But first, we're going to have a little chat with Danica about her writing, her impressions of the local food scene, and a few more things. This is Food and Loathing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast, restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? 
find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. You want more Al Mancini? You can hear me all week long on all of the Highway Drive and Vegas Vibe radio stations delivering the Neon Feast foodie updates. Also, keep your eyes open for my appearances on Wake Up With The CW and my videos on the at Vegas social media channels. And you can find some of my writings at visitlasvegas.com. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, our guest today has been a frequent dining companion of mine at some incredibly crazy meals over the past, I'd say about the past year, maybe year and a half, but I'm going to ask her. I'm talking about Danica Stockton. She is a lifestyle and food writer here in Las Vegas. You can Google her online, find all kinds of pieces by her. We'll tell you a bit about some of the specific stories momentarily. But Danica, how are you? I'm great. I'm super happy to be here. I'm glad we got together to discuss some food. Yeah, it's really, really great to be here. Um, So how long have you been covering Las Vegas? So I'm coming up on four years now. Oh, wow. Four years. Mm -hmm. So it, but it's not four years. So was that before the pandemic? Yep. So I started right at the top of the pandemic. Um, I went to school for journalism, but I had been more heavily involved in modeling and film and television. And then once the pandemic came around, all of that work completely ceased. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I, I had been having some, you know, writing opportunities that kept knocking at my door, but my schedule at that time didn't allow for it. And then in an interesting way, the pandemic was kind of a blessing in disguise for me because I finally got to use my education for my work. So here well, we are now. Well, very cool. And now well, I'm sure you were doing things that were much more glamorous than having dinner with the likes of me <laughs> in your previous <laughs> job and your previous career. So sorry if that's a disappointment. She's like, my old job, I was dining with these people and now I've got the weird right? mohawk guy. You yeah, know? I love dining <laughs> with you. But uh, so have has food been part of your beat that entire time here in Vegas, the full four years? I will say it's definitely more heavily involved in what I cover now at my current publication than my prior one, but I was still covering food at my prior publication as well. Okay, cool. So you have you have gotten to know the Las Vegas food. And for, by the way, were you living in Las Vegas prior to becoming a, a, a writer? Yes, this is my hometown. Okay, so this is your home. So you've lived in Las Vegas your whole life? For the most part, born in Southern California, but we came here when I was two, went away to college, came back. So I could say maybe five years right. out of my life I've spent outside of Vegas. Okay. So you are, you you know, the, the people who are qualified to comment on how things have changed. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're few and far between in this town, even among a lot of writers, you know, people come in here, they haven't lived here all that long. Um, but you've seen, and so you can put what's going on with our food scene now into serious perspective compared to what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, it's, you know, you've definitely seen what's going on. So how are you feeling about covering food? What do you, what do you think about the restaurant scene right now? I love it. And I I actually wanted to circle back to um, what you were mentioning earlier, Gemini, about service here. I think the service in Las Vegas is pretty astronomical. Uh, If anytime I dine elsewhere in other cities, a lot of the times I have like service experiences where I have to remind myself Mm. That Las Vegas service is not the standard. Oh, like, absolutely. Like yeah. nationwide, oh, absolutely. you know? No, it's oh, so yeah. True. I have zero arguments with that one. Yeah, I think we're, we're suffering a little bit now because of the fact that, that 
a lot of people during the pandemic, they just left town. I mean, I've spoken yeah, yeah. to chefs at great organizations who have told me, you know, I mean, look, you're young, right? You moved to Las Vegas. You're going to, I mean, the, you want a career in hospitality. And a lot of those people moved to Las Vegas. But part of that is a very, you, you live on tips. You go home with cash in your pocket every night. It's a party scene. There's 24 hour, whatever time yep. you go after work, there are things to do. And when the job goes away and you're a young person wanting to do that and the money goes away and all that, then why not just move back to your hometown? And that seemed to have happened with a lot of people. So I think even some of the best organizations right now are having trouble staffing up to the standards Absolutely. of Las Vegas. But I agree with you. And also, OK, so you cover lifestyle stuff as well. And I've yes. read articles of yours just recently where you talk about, you know, multi-million dollar houses that are out there and take us inside of those. So, you know, you definitely... Um, you, you you cover a lot a lot more than just food. Yes. Don't you feel that luxury products in not products I guess luxury experiences in Las Vegas spoil you for the rest of the world? Like mm -hmm. we go to other cities, and you know, so we'll go to try to get a spa treatment, and it'll be like this is not like a Vegas spa, or you know, I, that's why I go a lot down to Cabo recently over the past couple of years because at least they have the massive sprawling pool complexes that I, you know, that, that I could get here, but I don't want people to see me when I'm, you know, because right. I'm wacky at the pool, so I go down there for that. Um, but there's nothing. In, there are very few other cities. You know, I look at I look at resorts unless you go. I guess very very top of the line. But have yeah. you found other cities that compare to Las Vegas? Not in not in the United States. No. No. Um, internationally, absolutely. But as far as the U.S. is concerned, I really think we stand apart mm -hmm. in regards to luxury experiences and the quality of service that is not only offered but expected. Um, I've I've been to a lot of other cities in the U.S. where I'm shocked at like the lack of service or the lack of like caliber that certain institutions and establishments are held to and I yeah. have to remind myself like okay you have kind of grown up in the creme de la crop of that niche so let's you know let's get some perspective here yeah, yeah. um but yeah I, I'll say when I went to Dubai I think that's probably the main spot that I have been to that superseded Vegas service and luxury experiences by far right yeah, I've heard I've heard things about Dubai. Mm -hmm. I've not been, and I have not been to. Um, uh, what's the one over on the other side that everybody goes to? Sorry, we're Macau. Macau. Thank you. <laughs> oh no, that's where a lot of friends get rotated in and out of both of yeah. those cities. You know, yeah. people in the industry do, and I, I've been told that Macau is you know just as great of a service town as Las Vegas is, and as is Dubai. Um, so. Let's talk about the kind of, of stories that you write. Um, a couple recent stories, you did one on where to watch the game, which I love because I just sent out my survey for Neon Feast. I'm tallying up our list of best places to watch the game. Um, and two on your list were actually among the top places on, on my survey. Uh, you also did a, a, well, let's actually talk about where to watch the game. So give, give people recommendations because you just did an article on this. Yes, I did. Obviously, Legion Stadium, that goes without saying um you know having the las vegas raiders here as a local team is really exciting mm -hmm. for a city especially being a native for most of my time in las vegas the main thing that was appealing about las vegas was nightclubs nightlife and gambling so it's super excited for our city to diversify what we have to offer um, with having professional sports teams on top of all of that now so definitely if you can catch a live game 
that's my number one suggestion. It's super fun. Uh, I, would, um, I put the fortress up against Allegiant Stadium, but I actually haven't seen a game <laughs> at Allegiant Stadium. I got kicked out of one that I was working Uh-oh. at, helping to serve food, but um, that's another story. Um, but So I haven't seen a game at Allegiant Stadium, but I'm sorry, the, the VGK in me is going to say also that T-Mobile Arena is one of the best places yes. to watch a game in the yes. world. Yes, so the article that I recently published was um, more tailored towards like the NFL season coming right. up. I got you. But, so but what yeah. about bars and restaurants, though? Do, which were your favorites of the ones that you recommend? I really like Chickie Pete's. Um, Chickie's and Pete's. Yes, a little bit of I really like Chickie's and Pete's. The crab, fry this, the crab fries there are amazing. And they've got a ton of screens there for sports enthusiasts to catch the game. Um, where else? I really like Yard House. Mm-hmm. I have forever been a fan of Yard House. I like, had no problem with Yard House. I discovered yeah. Yard House when I used to cover Coachella yeah. for years and years. And there was one between the Coachella Polo Grounds and then my hotel, which was always back in Palm Springs. And I'd drive and it would be the only thing open a- after the headliner went off at Coachella. I and like, I discovered them. Yeah. I mean, I like Yard House. They're, they're, predictable in a good way they're consistent yes they offer things that are not your typical sports bar food which makes me happy because they've got some healthier options they've got um some more luxury type items you know they're t- anyway yeah the ahi <laughs> tuna salad the ahi tuna yeah. salad at yard house is my go-to there you go they cook the ahi tuna perfectly just like barely cooked on the outside real pink on the inside i love that we've gotten to a point in the world where someplace can pride itself on its beer selection and its sports bar, but also still have an ahi tuna salad. Right? Yes. Right? That's like what that's, I'm saying. That's yes. progress, baby. <laughs> I love that. You also just did an interview with um, Tal Ronan. Yes. And Tal Ronan, um, the, the vegan chef to the stars who has Crossroads Kitchen in Resorts yeah. World. I love Crossroads Kitchen, and I'm so happy that we have one here in Las Vegas now. Um, I do feel like, you know, the vegan and vegetarian dining scene here has... We've got a handful of options, but compared to some other cities, not not so many. So yeah. Crossroads coming to Las Vegas has been a huge win for us. Um, I personally am not vegan or vegetarian, but I do like vegan and vegetarian. Absolutely, dishes. Yeah, I'm in there with you. Yes, yeah. and I'm also I'm also um, very much cognizant of like my meat intake, just mm-hmm. for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Crossroads Kitchen is one of my favorite places to dine, and I'm. I'm just, it's even like beyond the food being amazing. It's the fact that it's an upscale dining environment Mm -hmm. for, with a totally like animal free menu. It's just. And they never, they never put the word plant-based on the menu or on any signage. They never put the word vegan on the menu or any signage. His place. Have you been to his place on Melrose in LA? I I haven't either, but I understand that that's, you know, pop stars, movie stars, everybody goes in there. It's the cool spot. Did you get to um, hang out with Chef Tal at all when you were researching that? No, no, I haven't. Um, We just did over the phone, Mm. but. uh, I love him. He's a great guy to hang out with. He's an old punk rocker man. He's a, old hardcore guy used to hang out in CBGB's around the time that I was working there. Uh, we, we missed each other maybe by about a year or so, but not oh, too wow. far. So yeah. And he, he tells great stories, man. If you ever get a chance, like he was talking about how, you know, he used to hang out, I think with the Harry Krishnas in order to get a good vegan meal. Right. Because that was like the best place to get a vegan meal. He's got great rock and roll stories. If you ever get a chance to sit That's down awesome. with him. 
Yeah, I I would imagine based off of the decor and the artwork that's been selected for the space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else did I see? Oh, you have grill. You did a story on grilling tips, which you got from um, the place in the fashion show mall, right? Yes, I'm the, not the quite sure. place. I think. Yes, yeah. yes, it's the Brazilian steakhouse there. Um, I mean, I love Brazilian steakhouses. I'm not super huge on meat, so I don't necessarily frequent them often. But every now and again, I do get a severe craving. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, it's, you know, I, I wanted to cover some more grilling tips just with like the summer and, you know, Labor Day weekend. and. Um, so what's the one takeaway? Give us one one hint from the article that... You know, if I'm if I'm a really shitty home griller and everything tastes like shoe leather when I do it, <laughs> um, how are you going to make me? How are you going to fix that for me? I think the number one takeaway from that article and interview was heat, not flames. Mm-hmm. So, um, to be very cognizant of your use of flames. Flames are almost like flames are are almost like an accent rather than like a method of cooking correct with grilling um (laughs) so if you're trying to grill with flames you're most likely just going to burn your entire whatever you're grilling versus if you cook with no flames and heat and then once you're ready to char use the flames that's that was the way that they suggested to do it. Okay. Well, so anyway, you can um, just Google Danica Stockton. All those articles came up. You know, it was not hard for me to find any of them, and they they were great to read. I recommend everybody read them. I'm curious, as at, when you cover Las Vegas, and you know, I'm not out there right now doing freelance work, which I had done for, you know, five you know, for 15 years before I went to the RJ, and that. So it's always. I'm not knowing what editors are asking for right now. I'm not plugged into what the hot story assignments are right now. So I am curious, what is hot? What are people being asked to write about Las Vegas? What's the public's interest right now? I would Food-wise, say of course. Um, articles of mine that perform really well are going to be like roundup articles. Um, like where to watch the game. Mm-hmm. A lot of, even though it's not food related, a lot of those spaces were restaurants or bars or venues that yep. offer food. Um, but yeah, my readers love like roundups where maybe there's seven to 12 items that are suggested. No, I, I you know, and I could tell that people love that because um, just to talk shop a little bit is, you know, one of the things that I love about Neon Feast is that we're, we're set up that way, right? There's, a, you know, a hundred lists on there and it'll be, not, you know, 10 great day night spots or whatever. And the way that I could tell that people eat that up is because that's been a really successful marketing strategy for me right now. When I just run the, um, the meta ad that just says 12 great off strip Italian spots, or I run a meta ad that says nine great date night restaurants, right? Things like that. They get huge responses compared to, you know, other types of ad that I run. So I can tell that that is, there's a public appetite for that. They want to see quality listicles. I mean, everybody's just conditioned to see sort of a listicle and some of them blow because because a lot of people write them without actually, you know, some you could tell they were written by AI oh, or God, they were I hate written those by so um, much. they were written by people that come to Las Vegas um, one week a year. And I should also not to go too far on a tangent there, but you know, there's so much bad writing about mm-hmm. Las Vegas because, and I used to be this writer. You come to Las Vegas to cover something, and you decide you want to be Hunter S. Thompson for the weekend, <laughs> and you go home and you never left your hotel or your casino, right? So. So those quality roundups, I think, from somebody who lives here like you, I mean, that is what, what we need, you know, and 
it's not just being done researched via press releases and shit like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm super happy to be able to add value to the dining scene here in Las Vegas and help out my readers by gathering up some really quality suggestions on different places to eat for different occasions or different cuisines. Um, And for me, it's really fun, too, because it's hard, right? If somebody asks you, what's your favorite Vietnamese place Mm -hmm. or like, what's your favorite Thai place? Like, how are you going to pick just one? Right. You know, so I, I find listicles are really fun for me to write because I love food. I've loved food since before, you know, I started covering um, the dining scene in Vegas and yeah, I, th- I think it's fun not only to write, but also for my readers to consume as well. So um, you write a lot for high income readers, I would say, based on the things that I've read by you. So you're aimed at a luxury market. Um, you and I, again, we talk about the meals that we've had. I'm not sure when the first meal I've had with you was, but you know, we've done specialty dinners at Le Cirque that we've had together, things like that. Um, before you started writing, about food, were you familiar with that level of luxury dining? Were you raised eating at places like the Cirque and and things like that? I wouldn't say raised, um, but I'd say probably when I came back from college, like in my early 20s, yes, definitely. And then even more so abroad, like a lot of my fine dining has been more like places that I wouldn't be able to pronounce or even (laughs) spell because I don't, it's not in my language, you know? Um, But prior to doing journalism and getting involved in the dining scene here, I was modeling. So my figure and my image was like number one. So you can't eat the things that we (laughs) eat now? Yes. So it was for me, it was like seven days out of the week for most months. You know, most weeks of most months, right. I was cooking at home like ground turkey and brown rice okay, and but for steamed s- vegetables. But, so. but I'm, that gives you a really unique perspective. Um, uh, right now, it seems to me that light eating is on fire in Las Vegas. And whether it be um, be Israeli style or more Greek, more Mediterranean, you know, there are, it's all really boils down almost to the, the, what everybody calls a traditional Greek diet, you know, even though it's not all Greek in in you know what I'm saying it could be a little bit of Italian (laughs) but it's all along those those styles of light a little bit of olive oil that kind of stuff so when you go into a Hasselan or you know these other places that are specializing in light dining are you how do you feel about the way that they're bringing a lighter style to the public it's really exciting for me because I'm not going to lie, I did gain a significant amount of weight <laughs> as soon as I started heavily covering the dining scene, um, which, you know, I've, I've actually had to like take a little bit of a break from dining out to reprioritize my health, which I'm happy to do. But um, it really excites me that there are more restaurants that are not only offering lighter dishes, but are actually modeling their entire menu off of like a healthier offerings just healthier offerings yeah. all around and that that idea especially i don't know if you were at the at the hasalan dinner but you know that's i'm not just trying to single them out but what's great is when you go to a restaurant where you can tell that that light aesthetic is not like them taking things away from what they normally do it is what they normally do it is how they build these dishes they build them to be incredibly wild in some cases creative but incredibly delicious and they don't feel like anything's missing because it's not a um, a light version of what they're doing yeah i seriously deeply appreciate that because that is literally my personal style of cooking is i've always loved to cook healthy i've loved to like use leaner meats seafoods turkey chicken 
but I don't skimp on flavor at all. I love spices. I love like herbs. Um, I like to make my own sauces. So for me, it's like beyond just writing for my readers. It's like this, I've been cooking since I was, I don't know, maybe 13 years old. Um, So for me, it's like, my style of cooking has always been focused on like, it's healthy, it's lean, but it's also delicious. It's not like land boiled chicken, you know? Right. Right. Cool. So, so yeah, when I dine out at places that kind of have that same approach, it's, it's just really fulfilling to me because I'm like, okay, like I don't feel crummy after finishing this meal yeah. or I don't feel like I need to go take a nap immediately. Yeah. Like I feel energized and refreshed from the dining experience. Yeah, it's nice to make, to see that becoming a trend. I mean, I know eight years from now, you know, people will be sick of it and then we'll be just be piling on all the French <laughs> sauces on absolutely everything, everything again. Look, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us today and for arranging for the, probably the classiest um, yeah. setup we've ever had here to, to record, man. You, you, you move in style. I like that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you guys here today. And I'm really excited to be contributing to this podcast as well. Cool. Well, we'd love to have you back sometime in the future. And I'm sure I'll see you at dinner soon. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. We are all over social media. Just search for Food and Loathing or reach out directly. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And where am I these days? What am I doing? Most important, what am I eating, cooking, and learning? Find out anytime at wishboneandvine.com. One more time, that's info at foodandloathing.vegas. And my site, wishboneandvine.com. Barbecue lovers rejoice. Chef Larry at L2 Texas Barbecue is excited to announce smoking deals happening Monday through Friday in September. Starting today, September 1st, as you listen to this, stop by Monday through Friday and receive special deals and bonus loyalty points on your L2 favorites. Promotions include trivia nights on Mondays, happy hour with bonuses from 2 to 5 p.m. on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, $1 wings from 2 to 5 p.m., Thursdays, double loyalty points when you stop in during happy hour. That's again from 2 to 5 p.m. And Fridays, another happy hour bonus from 2 to 5 p.m. Receive 20% off the new barbecue pizza or calzone. These offers are available for dine-in only for both new and exciting L2 barbecue rewards members. New members can enroll and earn points at the point of purchase. I feel like everybody's getting on this bandwagon of um, barbecue pizza. Yeah. Suddenly. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. I like barbecue and I like pizza, but I, I haven't always been a fan of the two combined. No, I mean, look, you know, we go, you go back to um, Wolfgang Puck and the barbecue chicken pizza, right? That's and true. the guy who invented that for him is the dude that I believe, you can double check me here, people, sure. fact check me, but I believe it was the guy who invented the barbecue chicken pizza when he worked for Chef Puck that went on to um, found the California Pizza Kitchen chain. Oh. Could be wrong on that one, but But um, I just pulled that out of my ass. So, you know, (laughs) always mileage may vary on things coming out of my ass. Al's ass history lessons. (laughs) Yes. We should look that up. Um, And also, hey, the self-styled Lord of Wine, Matthew Loren Lindsay, is starting up his sommelier series again at a new location, setting up dates through the end of the year at Lynetta Kachina E. Lounge in downtown Summerlin. Beginning September 6th, join Matthew at Lynetta for free wine tastings, educational information, and fun. Gift bags for the ladies, a red carpet experience, and giveaways all night long, including, of course, wine. 
Yes, that would be the <laughs> I mean, key. you would hope, yes. right? <laughs> uh, this event is free, but you must RSVP to save your space. You can do that and find more information at thesmollierseries.com. Cool. And I've got, you know, we were talking about it a little bit earlier in the show with Danica. I've talked about it before because I just went to an event there. I talked about it earlier today. The Tin Fish Club Let's face in Las it, you Vegas. You are just all tin fish all the I'm, time. I'm living for it, man. When you I'm, die, <laughs> are they going to tin you instead oh my God. of burying you? I'm, that's, in, that's going into my request today. <laughs> I'm going into my paperwork. I don't want a coffin. I want a tin fish thing. Something. And we could just, when we go to visit, we'll have to turn the key back to get, get a peek. Oh, my God. We <laughs> are making this awesome. interactive. I would love that. I, I am in. I'm doing it. Um, so this coming Monday, September 4th, that is a holiday Monday for a lot of people. That's Labor Day. There is a tin share happening at the Silver Stamp Bar on Imperial in the Arts District. And what that means is you bring one or more of your favorite tins to share and enjoy a social happy hour with tinned fish, beer, and wine. Your $10 ticket, yep, only 10 bucks, includes all the bread and accoutrements as well as gives you a $5 towards your bar tab. And because you can't have enough tinned fish, the very first sit-down pairing. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, yeah. It's just growing so fast that I feel like every time I turn around, there's more news. And I just think that's great because it's hugely community-oriented. They're working with local businesses. They're working with smaller yeah. businesses. I mean, I, I don't want to belabor the point of just how amazed I am by the entire yeah. thing. But I, I do have to say... I like it, and you give it a lot of attention on this podcast, which is great because of this community involvement. It's That's so funny to me on one level because it's kind of antithetical when you think of tin fish to me is the opposite of farm to table, right? <laughs> like it's just as far away from it sounds most like it, right? things that are community building <laughs> that I think of in our world. Yeah. So that's what cracks me up. Yeah. And there are even, I mean, there are places that are getting registered by the slow food movement because they are coming farm to tin table <laughs> maybe that's the way to that's put it still the opposite i'm sorry no you can't no that is round peg square hole you can push as hard as you want but if you're trying to peg a hole that tin fish into i'm hammering it in man foods movement i'm just gonna have to call technical foul i i'm not the one who's offering on the, on the certification one. i'm just no i'm just telling you it's out there oh shit. Um, i'm sorry but you had another great event tell us about that <laughs> that's please. okay we're doing this one at ada's wine bar on monday september 18th tickets are going fast which is why we're talking about it today chefs jackson and mick are creating you a five course menu and the wine goddess herself cat is pairing those dishes with incredible wines from alt imports just sit back and enjoy from james beard finalist chef james trees and lev group ada's is located in tivoli village that's at rampart and fort apache sorry that's the same thing fort apache and alta um <laughs> rampart if I can get and it right. fort apache yeah. is what charleston Boulevard. Is, yeah basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah so visit tinnedficionado.com to buy tickets Seats are limited to only 40. So, again, that's why we're telling you about it now. And, again, that's tinnedficionado.com. Cool. Thank you. And you mentioned James Trees in there, another one that I didn't really write out for this week, but I guess he's doing the next um, Third Thursday's poo-poo platter at, um, at Laguna Pool House. Yeah. Which, by the way, we will not be broadcasting live from next week. I'm giving you breaking news oh. right here on the air. We're going to be moving that venue. Okay. So I'll inform you about that later. I'm excited. I'll tell everybody else about it. Um, uh, hey, but – 
You know, as we do news, and you're talking about Tin Fish, I went online today to offthestrip.com. I thought you had a story coming out on them. What's we going have on? one Where's coming out. Stories? It, I'm looking. I'm turning. A lot of great it, I, Bob Barnes <laughs> stuff over there. I'm loving it, yeah. but I'm looking for you. Where we, are We've you? got Echo and Rig coming up soon. We've got Tin Fish coming out soon. We've got Psy coming out soon. So all kinds of stuff to read up on. Cool. Thank so you, you just backlogged there. Just a little backlogged, but it's all coming out. Well, people should just go there every day and check for it because I know you're still Stories are going to be fantastic. Thank you. I love what Bob Barnes is doing over there. Uh, yeah. Right now, um, Jason's been doing some good stories. Yep. Um, yeah. So we've so there's still a lot of good stuff, but I miss you. Ah, uh, thank you. Oh, uh, Newswise Legacy Club, a top circa, is hosting another one of its weekend daytime events on Saturday, September 9th. So it's like one week from this coming weekend. If you're listening yeah. to this, I want to give you all time to um, to get your tickets. This time around, it's a cool one. It is called Bourbon and Blues. Yes. And the resort's director of beverage, Sam Pullian, told me about the music, the food, and, of course, the bourbon. We're going to be offering a variety of different bourbon stations, anything from Sazerac to Old Forester, Heaven Hill, and we also have a really cool experience, uh, Jefferson's Bourbon. We have the owner and founder, Trey Zoller, who's going to be talking about his brand and how he created it. Uh, guests are going to receive sample pours of all the various bourbons um, and also a little special cocktail to go along with them, too, that kind of highlight the nuance of the bourbon. So tickets are 125 You can buy those at CircaLasVegas.com by navigating through our uh, landing page at Legacy Club. Uh, should be a really cool event. Most people know Legacy Club is a place to come at night when the lights are all lit up and, you know, it's a very posh, cool kind of cocktail experience. But I've had the experience, the chance to come to some of your daytime events, mm -hmm. and they're really cool as well. Could you explain to people what the vibe's like when they come to one of these daytime, afternoon, weekend events? Yeah, I mean, the vibe is awesome. Um, like you said, you know, it's really cool to see the lights turn on at night, but during the day you have a completely different view of the city. Uh, we have a really cool band called the Monin Black Snakes that's going to be uh, tearing it up for that event. So should be really high energy, a good chance to just drink some neat pours of bourbon. Uh, we got a cigar roller up here, so it's just going to be like a very, you know, cool kind of swanky, but also, you know, um, relaxed and just kind of high energy vibe that day. Yeah. Is there going to be any food? And if so, what? Yeah, um, we have, you know, some nice like barbecue style appetizers that are going to be passed around um you know with all the bourbon that everyone's going to be drinking we do need to provide something to kind of you know help people keep their stuff together but uh yeah we will have some food and and it'll be in the spirit of you know that bourbon barbecue blues kind of event and Eduardo Cordova, who is both a friend of this show and one of Las Vegas's top promoters of LGBTQ events and venues. He's been doing it since it was just LGB and T, right. I believe, um, and maybe even before. He's joined forces with the old Thunderbird Hotel on Las Vegas Boulevard on that stretch between the Strat and um, Charleston oh, yeah. to create Queen Las Vegas. And they're building it as the Strip's first LGBTQIA plus restaurant, bar and nightclub. Um, and September 1st, which is the day this episode drops, is the grand opening for them over there. So the hotel is reportedly planning a series of renovations to the old rooms and suites, which will have direct access to the Queen Bar and nightclub within the building. Eduardo, who also runs the Garden in the Arts District, yep. um, he recently spoke to uh, McKenna Ross at the RJ about it. He told her that the, there, there will be nightly aerial acts, laser and light shows, drag oh performances. He didn't get it that much. He didn't get 
that much into the details when he and I bumped into yeah. each other about a week ago, but man, he is super excited about this thing. Hopefully I'm going to get the lowdown at the opening party, which as this episode drops is tonight, yeah. September 1st. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah. And Perez Hilton's going to be um, hosting that party along with, I have to admit, I don't know who Shangela is. Shangela? Shangela. I think it's Shangela. Okay. And I saw something on her social media. So I'm okay. looking forward to seeing I that. Don't, I apologize for not knowing who she is, but I'm sure she's fabulous because Eduardo is fabulous. Correct. And yes, he's going to do a very fabulous thing over there. Bellagio is celebrating its 25th anniversary with special menu items, caviar specials, and special beverage offerings throughout the month of October at Le Cirque, Picasso, Michael Mina, and Petrosian Bar. But man, the big event, Ooh. which was just in my inbox when we came about an hour before <laughs> I came over here, a weekend-long celebration that runs from October 13th through October 16th. I'm going to tell you about it first before I tell you the price, because I think it might scare you with the price. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to get you good and excited about this. Get me good and this. excited because I'm already salivating. It includes Friday night, Friday evening, a Pappy Van Winkle whiskey <laughs> tasting at the hotel's brand new high-end bar, The Vault. So, and if, if any of you are not whiskey nerds like oh. we are here, I mean, Pappy, I give you the short version, I would say Pappy is one of those whiskeys that's really fucking good and they have several expressions. It comes out in very low numbers. It does. As a result, as a result, the numbers, the prices go through the fucking roof. They do. It is just the hip whiskey to drink if you want to prove that you have money to burn Pretty and much. you like good whiskey. And it's a good fucking whiskey. It is rarely worth the price that's being charged for it. If I'm going to pay the price that's being charged for it, Agreed. there are better things out there. But going to special events where you can Absolutely. do you know verticals and all kinds of flights of them, that is a way. So you start off with this Bellagio weekend with okay, a happy. So you've got one hook vault, in me so far. Right? And I haven't seen the vault yet. I guess I am not. By the way, hey, thanks, friends at MGM uh, at Bellagio. I guess I'm not cool enough to have we been need invited. To see the I vault. forgot to answer an email. It's probably all me. But um, yeah, that's their new super high end um, place in there. For, for drinking. And then on Saturday night of this weekend, a collaborative dinner at Picasso that's going to pair chefs Jean-Georges Van Gerichten, Michael Mina, and Julian Serrano all in one meal. They'll be there. Okay, two hooks in me right? so far. And then a Sunday brunch by Wolfgang Puck at Spago. Oh, man. So you, you, it sounds good, right? It sounds amazing. So get out your checkbook or your black card because this is a cool $10,000 a me. ticket. <laughs> And if you're interested in this one, you're going to have to email the Bellagio team at luxuryexperience at bellagio.com. My anniversary is coming up. I wonder if I can get away with that. There you go. Do you need two or are you going to go solo? Uh, oh, well, I'd have, to, I'd have to, to see if he wants to go. Send you on your way for your anniversary. <laughs> I say, man, I look at what package is are for F1, and I'd rather do this than a lot of those F1 Absolutely. packages myself. I'm in. Yep. Um, not that you have to. <laughs> if some, I'm sure everyone that listens to this show is so fucking wealthy, they don't have to decide. They can do them. Absolutely. Por que no los dos? Hey, I was do just informed that September 1st is National Hero Day or Gyro Day, for those who just pronounce the food phonetically um, or the way it's spelled. And I cannot Yes, I will a have a Euro on Euro Day. Euro, yes. I can't think of a better place to celebrate than Payments on oh, West yeah. Sahara, Payments Lounge, because they're the ones who told me about the holiday. Hell they also yeah. have three presentations of heroes available for under 20 bucks, and we love Payments. Oh, you so can't go wrong with that. Send people over there. And to wrap things up, I'm going directly from this recording session to Ninth Island Sushi and Grill on Eastern Avenue to witness their five-pound Loco Moco Burrito Challenge, which I'm told will have professional eater 
Reina Huang, and several other contestants battling to consume that burrito, which is packed with five pounds of rice, mac salad, hamburger patties, brown gravy, and don't forget the eggs. Oh, my God. You can consume five pounds of that in under 20 minutes. That's the challenge. Um, and thanks to the miracles of audio recording, I'm going to play that recording, some of my recording from that event right now. So I'm here with Reina Huang, who just made short order of eating a five-pound Loco Moco burrito. What did it take you, about seven minutes? It was seven minutes, yeah. <laughs> so the challenge is 20. You did it in seven. So it can be done, and it can be done with room to spare, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How'd you feel about your competitors here? Uh, they were really nice. They were really fun. Yeah, I love them. And tell me a bit about the Loco Moco burrito, man. I mean, do you even get the time to taste them and and know whether they're any good when they're on their way down? No, yeah, I do. The, the patty was cooked really well, and the rice was delicious. Would you recommend people coming and trying this, or is this a don't try that at home? Um, uh, I mean, I wouldn't recommend eating five pounds of it, but definitely try the Loco Moco burrito itself, yeah. And that's about it. No, that is it. It's not about. That's, that's it. it for this week. Thank you to all of our guests. Um, Danica Stockton, Ethan Spitzer, Sam Pulliam, and everyone at Ninth, Ninth Island Sushi. We will be back next week with more of this fun. Until then, with Samantha Gemini Stevens and for Rich Johnson, who's taking this last part of the show <laughs> from the remote offices, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.